Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Monday night. Let's see if I can do the Pasha. This week shouldn't be hard um, because this week is, uh, what do you call it? It's Korach. I want to say that um, tonight's talk is being, Pasha talk is being sponsored from Mexico by uh, Rabbi Lezorg, Rabbi Chaim Lezorg Brill from Mexico City. He was kind enough to write. I know we had people there. Uh, that's nice. And he even said that they use some of the stuff in their cure programs. You never know. Um, so I do say thank you very much. And uh, it's a little weird, you know, from a homiletical perspective, Korach is always great. Rachi says, Parsha Ziyafin addresses. <clears throat> the politics today is unbelievable. You know, Israel's going crazy, and they're putting together this government, sort of, as I speak. And um, it's Mamish Parsha's Korach. I'll tell you what I mean. There's a very famous shot, I'm sure you've heard this, that when do Pirkei Elvis, they always say it. And that's because in Pirkei Elvis it says, is a machlokus of Shem Shemaim, is a machlokus Shem Shem Shemaim, right? So it's good arguments and bad arguments. What's the machlokus? Shem Shemaim, Hill and Shammai. I get it. Hello, argue against Shammai. Base Hill argues against Shammai. What's the machlokus? Shalom Shem Shemaim, Karech Vadoso. So the famous question is, Karech in Moshe, not Karech Vadoso. Karech Vadoso is only one side. Just like Hill is one side and Shammai is the opposing team. So it should say Karach, that's one team, and Moshe is the other team. Why is it Karach Vadoso? I forget who it is who says this. It's very famous. And he said, really, Karach Vadoso also hate each other. <clears throat> they only got together to knock out Moshe. The only thing they could agree on was to knock out Moshe. Afterwards, they all go for the top. You know, uh, I think it says, didn't even look at the partial, but I know it. At 250 people, they want to be mocked at the guitarist, but only one was going to get it, and the others were going to lose it, and each guy thought he's going to be the one that gets it. That's why the odds were stacked against it working. That's really the meaning of because It's not the way you usually read it. If you look in the original source of Medeshava, he says, since the odds were 250 or more than that to one, why would a smart guy even get involved in that? As a businessman, because obviously Karach is a businessman. The point, though, is this mama's was going on with Bibi and uh, Bennett and all this junk in Israel because it's very clear from the news reports, and I don't even follow it so closely. It's too disgusting. You know, all these groups are getting together. Hatzada Shav Shebehen. You know, Lo Roizek Roizek. Havu Kavanos Laharizek Bedarka Lahazik. Well, they all have in common, they hate the Bibi. But once they, that's not a basis for a government. Once they knock them out, then what happens? Same thing. What if Korach would have succeeded and knocked out Moshe? After all, he won. I always point out, whenever you get to Parshat Korach, <coughs> Korach won. You know, the Jewish people sided with Korach. Even the big shots all sided with Korach. You'll notice, if you, I mentioned it in the past, Nachshim ben Aminadav sided with Korach. You see? Yeah. That's the Chazal say, anyway. I think it was the Medish Tankuma. The point is, the guy made a good argument. And his argument was Moshe's a crook. Because if Moshe says, Lo chamor meheh, 
Echad mehem nososi. That must be what they were charging with it, right? Lo hariosi echad mehem. That must be what they were claiming. Historial, historial, whatever baloney they made up. Uh, it worked. So Karach was able to, you know, work to the as the best of the um, demagogues, you know, to work at the at the uh and Horus side of it. And uh, you don't say the glaive is half full, you say the glaive is half empty, totally empty. It looks to me like that's what happened with Netanyahu in Israel. Not that I'm comparing Netanyahu as a sleazeball politician with Moshe Rabbeinu, but in, in this prod, yes. And um, once they would have knocked out Moshe, then they would have cut each other's throats. That's the meaning of that word, Karach Because I can tell you right now, what was Korah's uh, argument against him? Elit Safan, you know. In other words, he said Moshe's not being democratic. But really, he was angry because he himself, although he got one of the few elite jobs out there, he didn't get the one that he wanted. Get it? It's not like he felt everybody should be the same. He wanted this position, and it went, instead it went to, to, to Aaron. So um, if he would come in, he would do the same thing. He charged Moshe with nepotism. You put your brother in. All right. Let's say it was true. It wasn't true. It was not true. That's why Moshe says, Arom mahu kisalino alinu. Lo alinu tlun sechem kiyam Hashem. Let's say you put in his brother. New, what are you going to do? You're not going to put your brother in? You're not going to put your son? It's a lie. That's what people do. When people get in positions of power, they may stop with all their people. So the same thing I'm, I'm accusing you of, he's going to do himself five minutes later. So all those people, Adoso, would have found themselves on the outs. And then another Korach would have formed to knock out this Korach. Because that's the way it goes. And the proof is, politics anywhere. Israel, America, uh, France, uh, Germany, anywhere you go. That's what happens. The political system is a Korach word. One guy gets together, unites people to knock someone out. And then eventually, when, when the others feel capable, they knock you out and they take over. This is the history that happened later on in the biblical period in what we call the Kingdom of the North. There were two kings, Malchus Yisrael and Malchus Yehuda. Malchus Yisrael, one guy knocked out the other guy. You had Yeruvim, then the son of his son was knocked out by Basha. And then Basha's son was knocked out by Zimri. And Zimri was knocked out, knocked out means killed. Killed by, uh, who was it, Omri. And so forth. Because the idea is like this. Why do you have a job? I want a job. I want a job. So, you know... Torah 1, which goes to show you the Olam's a Gailam, and that's the way it always is. The Torah tells you, if you know, this is my argument, I can only tell you the way I see it. The Torah tells you deep insights into human nature and Jewish nature. And one of the things is the Jewish people are pretty stupid, and a Korach will win. You know what I'm saying? What do I mean when I say Korach will win? You know and I know Moshe could not succeed in out debating him. Moshe could not prove anything. As a matter of fact, as soon as you say, Lo you lost. Because once you're on the defensive, you can't win. You understand? But what Moshe needed to do, if Moshe were a politician, and he wasn't, he wasn't. That was the problem. If Moshe were a politician, he would say, I'm a crook. What about you, this, that, and the other? You, you, and you stole this, and you took this. And where'd you get your money from anyway? And so on and so forth. You understand? If Moshe wanted to go after him, that's the way to do it. I'm sure Karach had plenty of enemies. Moshe was not built that way. He was on of Mikolodom, therefore he was not made for politics. He was not made for politics. On of Mikolodom, then it's all about you, and you're on the defensive. As soon as you say, Loa, I didn't do it. It's not true what they say about me. It's not true what they say about me. And then, then you become the subject of everything, instead of Kara coming subject. How come nobody said like this? I'll prove my point. 
Why didn't people say, sit back and say, like this? look, you got two people trying for the job. You got Moshe and you got Korach. Okay, let's just look at this objectively. What has Moshe done so far? He did ten plagues, got us out of Egypt, split the Red Sea, took us to Harsinai, talked with God, got the Ten Commandments on our behalf, marched us through the rest of the place, got us to Mon, got us to water. <laughs> let's say, let's put it this way, that's a pretty good set of accomplishments. Let's stipulate that he gave his brother a preference. I say I know it's not true. I'm just saying. Let's say he he put his brother in the coin go. No, when you weigh what he's done in a positive way versus a couple of negativities. All right, now let's. Moshe's got a track record in politics, in war, in God, and things like this. Okay, what's the story with Korach? Korach, let me see your your track record. What's your track record? Zero. What did Korach do in Egypt? What did Korach do in Harsinai? What did Korach do? He didn't do anything. Yeah. Anything. The only thing is he found money. He got, he got a lot of money. Nobody knows where he got the money. Um, because I'll say, you know, some say he found the, 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 the treasures of Joseph. No, let's put it this way. There's two ways of understanding how a guy like Carl got the money. One is that he was good in business. Uh, could be. But, you know, if you start to ask yourself the question, how did a guy in the desert end up doing well in business? Terrence says, all the Jews left with a lot of money. By the time it's over, Carl got the money. See, he found Boozle down. Well, it was very easy to see. That's no great... Uh, let me put it this way. That shows you got money talents. Uh, grubbing talents. Don't show you got leadership talents. Don't show you have statesman-like talents. What did you do? Right? What great Ruchnius thing, what great Gashmius thing, what great political thing did you accomplish, Karth? The answer is zero. And if it's true, he found out where the money left over by Yosef or Paro or somebody like that was, then he just got lucky. Then knows he wasn't even a rich guy because of his own sense. I'd be more impressed if you tell me Kara started with two pennies and built himself up to a billionaire. So, okay, so I guess he's Horatio Alger. You see? Horatio Alger. He built himself from zero to a billion. That is a certain respect. You know, I'll tell you again, it doesn't prove that you're anybody chashev in the sense of morals or, I mean, for leadership purposes, all the rest of it. But you know how to make money. But if he found it, it's a big deal. That's like saying, I won the Powerball lottery tomorrow morning. $800 million. Look how smart Cass is. Now he's a billionaire. I am a billionaire. I got a lucky ticket. You know? I got a lucky ticket. Let me prove, you know, any uh, smarts on my part. So you got this Karakai. You got this Moshe. In a fair fight, the people should have asked the questions I just asked. I said, compared to where we are, what, you know, where's Moshe taking us? Where's, um, you know, Karak taking us so far? And then they wouldn't have believed Karak. Let's put it this way. They would have said, ask the questions I'm asking. How come Moshe didn't ask those questions? <clears throat> if I were Moshe's uh, campaign manager, I'd say, Korach, you phony baloney, two-bit dollar, two-dollar bill. <laughs> what have you done? What have you done? You know, you just call it a cool kadoshim. But you see, the problem is Moshe did not have a campaign manager. Because each Moshe, on of mode, be called Pnei Adam, Pnei Adama. He didn't have a campaign manager. <laughs> he wasn't a politician in that way. He didn't act as an assistant. He wasn't a guy for intrigues and all the rest of it. So he paid the price. Because when it's all over, even though Moshe has the the dream resume and Korach has a zero resume, empty suit, Korach, everybody was willing to dump Moshe, except that Moshe was able to make a miracle, like I said last year. That's called the nuclear option. Obviously, when Korach and his gang calculated how they're going to win, <laughs> they never occurred that Moshe could push the button and the ground will swallow them up 
and that'll be end of miraculously, right? Im, you know, in Bria, give Rashem, Fatsa, Adamas Pia. I'm sure when Moshe said that, you know, in Kamos, call Adam Yumusunela, and something called Adam, you know, if, if these people go down regular death, um, Lo Hashem Shlochani, Green Bria, give Rashem, Fatsa, Adamas Pia, Ubalo, Osam, Beschayem. I'm sure they said, what did he just say? So Terrence says they weren't even smart because they didn't realize who Moshe is. I mean, he was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. He didn't eat or sleep. That's a little unusual. He talked directly to God. They saw that. Uh, but politics gets anyway. Well, let's put it this way. Eno Hitoso, the Chazal say. His eye, his jealousy got the better of him. He became obsessed. All right, I hear that. Obsession can make you do things that are crazy, even though uh, ordinarily you wouldn't do it. See that? Korach, let's say he was a businessman and built himself to a billion. So, classic case. In money, he knew how to gamble. In politics, he knew how to gamble. You see? I'm sure a guy like Korach, when it came to business, you don't become rich by taking all these wild gambles because then you lose on one of them. Instead, you're prudent. You know, you invest here, you do this here, you take, you lend here, you borrow there. You know, he, he, he built himself to Epis by using the brain. In politics, though, he wasn't smart because he rolled his dice against a guy who split the Red Sea, and the guy that only split the Red Sea also split the ground. If we're me, I say, I guess, I don't want to mess with him, Moshe. Anybody who can split the ocean can probably split the ground under me, or maybe he can split me in half. It's not a good gamble. You know what I'm saying? It's not a good gamble. So the Torah has a fascinating story this week. Fascinating story. How the human jealousy or the ambition or whatever you want to call it can literally blind you and make you do um, careless things, imprudent things that you would never do in any other situation, in any other context. I got, like I said before, a smart businessman like Korach, if that's what he was, would never, you know, engage in such wild and risky ventures. Okay, it's not worth it. Why risk all your money, right? A guy like Korach, you know, you, you save some, you invest a little bit here, that and the other. Why would you risk the whole thing on a venture? But when he went after Moshe, he risked his whole venture and got killed. Now, obviously, he talked himself into thinking he's not risking the venture. Thus, Alain is an Irish guy. That's the point. So even though he was a pikeach, ain't no atasso, right? He was a smart guy. No, you're smart in some things, you're not smart in others. You're smart in some things, not smart in others. Now, the truth is, you know, um, Hashem set this up, sort of. I'll tell you what I mean. Moshe Rabbeinu is a funny guy in a funny position. A funny guy in a funny position. What exactly was he? Was Moshe a king? You know, if you're a king, there's a murder of Malchus. You have guards. There's halachas. Check out the Rambam and Hilchus Malachim. Somebody messes with you. You know, you can kill him. I'm sure it could be, you know... He, he could just issue a law, Kanoim Pogum or something like that. You know, take the guy down. Look what King David was justified doing in knocking off Oria. Just by, you know, saying, um, you know, Adoniyov or something like that. Is Moshe a king? Or is he a leader? Or is he a prophet? I mean, what is he? Back at the burning bush. Why didn't we make things simple? Why didn't Hashem do as follows? I want you to lead the Jewish people out of Egypt. Therefore, I, God, now commission you king over Israel, absolute dictator, all the Jews should listen to you, and then you'll lead them out of Egypt under a strong leader. That's what they need. And if they don't have a strong ruler, like a Stalin or something like this, to kick them in the rear end in case they, and when they stray, they'll never get to Israel. 
So for now, making you the, 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 the monarch, the dictator, something like that. But Hashem never appointed him like that. He just said, I'm sending you to redeem the people. Moshe was a Navi. You know, um, by the way, if you want to get technical about it, and I, I'm not in the mood, in the Seder Olam, it says the words that Moshe was a Melech. But the only thing is, it sounds like rhetorical. He wasn't a Melech in the Maimonidean sense, like in the Gemara, you know, well, Halach is a Melech, and no Yabal or Noshim, and this and that and the other. You know, using Melech in a, in a very, uh, what's the right word, generic, you know, uh, femoral way, it seems to me. So Moshe was in a funny situation. He's the leader of the Jews, but he doesn't have any constitutional position. You see? That's exactly what a guy like Korah could zero in on. Because suppose Moshe would have been a king with a bodyguard, a hit squad, and things that kings have. Uh, then if somebody would start, you know, uh, intriguing against him, he could wipe those guys all out. You have a, an army, a secret service to find out about. They do things like that. You know, um, but Moshe was a private citizen. I'm just pointing out something interesting. Moshe led the Jews for 40 years. We don't call him Moshe Malkano. We don't call him Moshe Nivienu. We call him Moshe Rabbeinu. Rabbeinu was already a rabbinic term. Chazal like that, because he want to emphasize that he taught the Torah to the Jewish people. Which, of course, was his biggest achievement. Fine, let that be. But what kind of authority is a teacher? <laughs> Get it? What kind of authority is that? And is that a political position? The answer is it's not. So you had a guy who was leading the people through a kind of moral leadership. Same more than anything else. Kind of moral leadership. Moral leadership is a tricky business. Um, we do have occasionally in history great leaders who did not have formal office, but nevertheless were able to guide their people because they had a certain moral authority. Get it? By the way, to conduct themselves, all kinds of things like that. Uh, but not often, okay? And Moshe Abenu, I'm sorry to say, did not have that. Not if you follow what Chazal tell you, because every five minutes the Jews didn't listen to him, they're complaining, they drive him crazy, they say he was stealing money from the Mishkan, you know, a hundred things like that. Moshe Abenu did not get respect, you see? Not get respect. Aye, he saved them. He was very bitter about it. Look in Dvorim. You know, I remember the Mezrash there says, you know, when Hashem said, I can't enter Israel, you didn't say nothing. When when you couldn't enter Israel, I daven for you, right? So one person can save 600,000, but 600,000 can't daven for one person. Nobody daven for me. But, you know, like I told you many times, Truman said, you want friend in politics? Get a dog. Humans will just be basically ungrateful. That's how it goes. Just, just got used to it. So Moshe Abedu is a moral leader who does not have moral leadership. I mean, he had those who listened to him. We also have plenty who did not listen to him. As is proved powerfully in today's Parsha. When a guy made a move forward, this guy Korach, who I repeat, had no record. You know, if you tell me Yoshua rebelled against him, Kalev, so he said, all right, they fought, they did this, that, and the other. Vas has been Korach, and people followed Korach. Right? Just the public thinks very often, if you're rich, you must be really smart. Right? Chachmas Hamiskim Bazuya, Shlomo Melch puts it. The wisdom of the person who's not rich is despised. Because people say, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? So they're conflating the ability to get money, which is a certain set of skills, with the ability to be a political leader, which are not necessarily the same skills. 
They're not necessarily the same skills. And in the case of Kark, they definitely were not. Okay? Uh, because, as we know, the whole thing lasted five minutes, and then the ground swallowed them up, and they were all dead. So, you know, it's uh, quite a story. But Korach was able to zero in, I think, I think, on this lack of a position. He wasn't El Presidente. He wasn't Your Majesty. He wasn't, you know, a Rebbe. Moshe Rabbeinu was not a Hasidic Rebbe. Because if he did, the Hasidim would give him all this grief. You see? You know, he uh, he was a, a, a sui generis. He was Moshe Rabbeinu. There never was another leader like that. And um, and he was on a... By the way, God obviously knew this. And Hashem, of course, heavily recruited him. And that's the story of the burning bush. And we know Moshe Rabbeinu quite correctly said, I don't want the job. It's not for me. I'm a kvad peh. I'm this, that, and the other. Moshe realized he wasn't cut out for this job in the typical sense of, being, of what a leader usually is. I'm not a politician. I don't want to kiss up to people. I don't say, how you doing, Charlie? You know, I'm a kvad peh. Some interpret kvad peh to mean he stuttered based on that story. Others, you know, the environment or whoever, others say kvad peh means I don't have the gift that I got. I'm not a rhetorician. I'm not a good talker. In order to be the leader of a people, you have to be inspire, you have to be a good speaker, you know. I'm not, right? I'm on a mikolondam. I'm good at what I'm good at, you know, and I know how to take care of myself and so on and so forth. But I'm not one who can inspire the people. And Hashem said, I want you anyway, as we all know. Me som dom. you know. I'll give you the rhetorical ability. Uh, and by the way, there's a chazal that says, by the time you get to Dvarim, Moshe is quite eloquent, you know. The whole book of Dvarim is an eloquent speech. Although, it has its shortcomings from the rhetorical point of view. It's repetitive. But nevertheless, it's a powerful speech. It's not somebody who's stuttering. It's certainly not somebody who's inarticulate. So, Karach took this one, right? Let's say Karach was glib. So, to have the art of rhetoric, but don't have the, the, the ability of leadership, what would have happened if they were, if he were one one So, they would, would have knocked out Moshe. Let's say they would have killed him. Fine. Now what? You're stuck in the middle of the desert. There's no rain. There's no water. There's no food. The mom stops coming. The water stops coming. You know, the air. Now what? You have three million people going to die. Mamash in the desert. Korah couldn't see that? Let's put it this way. He didn't feel at least it's a risk. The Jewish people, who in the majority followed him, like I say, including Nachshem and Aminos, they didn't see it's a heck of a risk. We're knocking out Moshe over here. You know, this might cause the death of all of us. Right? I bet you that, I mean, this is, you know, what do you call it? Counterfactual. What would happen, you know, when we start a new game? The game is called, what if Kark won? You don't think Hashem would have said, fine, you're on your own. Right? I don't have to kill you. You're on your own in the desert. They would have all died. Nobody thought about that. Nobody thought this is an imprudent risk. Moshe is our lifeline to food and water among other things, right? But just at the basic level, Moshe is our lifeline to the Anonia covered the food and the water. So what is the plan if we get rid of Moshe? No, nobody saw like that. Because politics builds up in a frenzy. It's Karkwadoso. And just to knock that guy out, that itself would be Gavaldic. You see? You don't think past first base. Right? You don't think of anything just to knock the other one out. So uh, this is... Major Shalom that that's the meaning of it. And of course, um, Moshe could have 
you know, set himself up with a formal authority now in response to this. Uh, Moshe could have. This is what I would have done. Karak got his guys inside. I would be Moshe. I'd go recruiting guys on my side. And i play the same game. What did Korach promise the people who joined him? I'll make you something. Right? I'll make you something. You'll be a coin girl, or I'll be the, I'll be the this, you'll be the that, this will be the Skonic one, and this will be this thing, you'll be a tax collector. He, he promised them. Because in politics, that's all you have to do. The worst type of policies simply say, what's the other guy promising you? I promise you double. It's like in business. If I want a worker, a good worker, just tell me, what's the other guy paying you? I'll pay you more, 50% more, 100% more, whatever. You know, whatever's worth it. So, Korach obviously worked on that system. Because he had all kinds of people that disgruntled. He got the Bechoros and Dawson Avir and so forth. And what does that mean? You know, you promised him something. So, they were all hoping, you know, that something they would do. Just in order to get a promotion, they didn't care risking the whole Jewish people. And I'm not talking so much from a pious, friendly point of view. They didn't risk them themselves. They would have died. What was the plan? They would have died. But they couldn't see it. So the Torah, in my opinion, tells you a very powerful and cynical outlook on um, on the public and the voting public. You see? The voting public, the Jewish one in this case, very fickle, easily swayed by demagogues. The voting public doesn't have the discernment to pick the best guy, the person who's on a Mikolodo. The voting public is more respectful of a guy with a lot of money than an honest guy without a lot of money. That's what you see. I'll ask you another question. I said before, was Moshe king? Not clear. Let me ask you a second question. Was Moshe rich? That's a fair question. <laughs> what do we know? Was Moshe rich? I'll tell you something. <clears throat> Korach, like everybody else, made money on the way out of Egypt, they took, you know, Kesebazov. Each guy left with camels loaded with Kesebazov, it says. Moshe didn't take any money out of Egypt because he took Asmus Yosef. Now, you and I, because we're, you know, members of the rabbinical culture, you know, Chazal, Rashi, and all this, he said, oh, Chacham Levika Mitzvah. You know, Moshe Rabbeinu did a sublime act. He took Asmus Yosef. Food, kiss, resolve, baloney, this is, mitzvahs is real. We've all heard those speeches. But, you know, that's a perspective. The other perspective is, Moshe's a dumbbell. We, when I left Egypt, I made sure I took some money with me, you know. Spent plenty of time with your slaves. I want to leave with Epis. That guy Moshe left broke. And so here's Korach, living the life of Riley. Here's Moshe, living in a relatively modern, moderate tent. Right? That, Moshe didn't live in a palace. Moshe didn't have 10 meals a day. You know, look at what it describes about Shlomo Melk. You can see the life of the rich and the powerful. It doesn't say Moshe had servants and slaves and maidservants. Wait to him hand and foot and then bring him this and bring him the slippers and, you know, here's a, an extra bottle of wine and so on. None of that. Moshe lived, as far as we can see, like a regular guy, like anybody else. Uh, to For Kedusha purposes, he had separated from his wife and all that kind of business. But he didn't lift the the, the the lifestyle of the rich. So Moshe was not rich. They say that he made money in the Shiva Lucas. Okay, that's fine. But that just means like this. The Rabbani Shalolam, when Moshe broke the tablets, uh, which, by the way, I just saw somewhere today. I have a... Uh, um, 
a yard site coming up, a, a, a seam I have to do in the Sanhedrin. I told you this in your in, in um, Shalom in Sanhedrin. And I, I want to do something about Yehudim and And I saw the word Yehudim and says, Moshe would not break the tablets until he spoke to God. And uh, he's got the okay. That's Pe'el, Pe'el Dabarbo. That's how Yehudim and Misera, the Dimur Adashin said. So, um, you know, if Hashem's to break the tablets, then Hashem's like this. And you keep them. And at least you'll have something. What's the expression? you have something for your old age. <laughs> right? At least you'll be able to, you know, you don't have Social Security. Just to cover your Medicare, medical expenses. Because you didn't take any money out of Egypt. You know, you didn't use your opportunities that you could use. Your own of Mikol Another guy would go around on behalf of Moshe Rabbeinu to 600,000 people and say, can each guy give me 10 bucks? That's already have a stickle money over there. Right? 10 bucks from all those uh, Kezzers, all big deal. But Moshe didn't do that. They're not used to a person like this who's utterly honest. <laughs> you know the Jews don't know what to do with somebody who's 100% honest. Doesn't take a penny. Moshe says, Lo chamor echad mehem nososi. But I said, Ari Yosef achad mehem. And I'm sure there's some hazal Lo chamor, not only a donkey, Lo chamor, no material object. Moshe, some people, it's hard to find people like this. Some people care about honesty. Ad kidei pruta. You understand? So Moshe's a guy did not a penny, you know, was gotten in an underhanded way. So then people say, yes, well, he doesn't, he doesn't make a living. Korach knows what he's doing. You see? Korach's rich. Moshe's poor. Therefore, Korach's greater than Moshe. Look what the Parsha's telling you. You see? Look, look, look what we're learning about the human nature. So I know the story, obviously, and we all know the story, that Korach eventually was killed, and Moshe prevailed, and, you know, Korach, 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 El Mishkan Hashem, you must, the people in the reacted. I mean, we know the story. Question is, what do we take from the story? And this year, my point is uh, that the Torah from partially take a lot of things, but one of the not the only way, but one of the ways of analyzing Pasha from politics point of view. And I'm speaking politics in the Aristotelian sense. You know, I was to tell you about how human beings manage social relations and hopefully non nonviolent conflict resolution. How do you do that through manipulation, through appeals, to all kinds of things that people have been writing about in manuals. From Aristotle to Machiavelli down till today, you know, John Stuart Mill and all that. You know, how does one run politics? Uh, the, the Federalist Papers and so forth. So, in, the, the Jewish contribution is Parshish Korach. Right? Uh, it's a cynical one, meaning it doesn't speak well of the mob. And the guys who started the United States Constitution, like, uh, what do you call it, John Jay and uh, Alexander Hamilton, people like that, they distrusted the public. That's why you have a bicameral legisla legislature in the United States. And originally the senators were not supposed to be direct elections. They did not trust the, the public uh, per se. And I think in America today and elsewhere you see, when John Q. Public comes in, you appeal to the most base instinct and those are the ones that get elected. You promise them the sky and they'll get elected. If another politician will come along next election, say, I'll give you double what the other guy's giving, no vote for him. Then it turns into a bankrupt situation because the oil is what it is. We don't need to read the New York Times in order to discern this. We don't need to read, you know, the Atlantic Magazine and so forth. All you have to do is look at Parshish Korach. Is that all that Parshish Korach is? No. Obviously, it's a lot more than that, but it does contain that. And in this week of all these political changes in Israel, 
I wish I wasn't saying this, but I believe if you follow the story in Israel and you at the same time you hold up Parshish Koch in front of you, you'll be shocked at the similarities. You'll see. I wish it weren't so, you know, but it is so. And um, uh, I end, you know, with that famous sob in Omben Palace because his wife drugged him and therefore he missed a meeting. You know, we all know that story. So why did she drug him? Because she said you shouldn't go to the meeting. Why did she say you shouldn't go to the meeting? She said you schlepper. You are a schlepper under Moshe. You could be a schlepper under Karach. You're not high enough in the totem pole. You're not one of his rich friends. Get it? Therefore, you won't end up with anything. He'll throw you a bone. So it's not good for you to get involved in politics if you anything about it. If you're going to make a lot of money, no. You know, if you're going to get in some high position, no. You'll still be a dog catcher. You understand? You're a certain type of dog catcher under Moshe. You'll be another dog catcher over here. And she was, of course, right. right? It says, Bon that's the, uh, the wife of Omen Pellis. We all know this. I don't have to tell you a story. I assume you know it. Right? So what is that telling you? You know, uh, the public, the oilam is a goilam. Let me put it this way. Were there people in the last election who send in money to the Trump campaign, to the Biden campaign, and so what? Yeah. Wait a minute. Why am I sending you money? He's richer than I am. All these candidates are millionaires. All of them. So why exactly am I selling you money? Oh, you don't want them to spend their own money running for president. Why? <laughs> why not? I remember when Malcolm Forbes ran, he had a public campaign, people send him money. A guy sending money to Malcolm Forbes, so Chas Khalili shouldn't spend his own money. The Olam is nuts. You get it? Politics brings these funny things out in people you wouldn't see in other light. This is, anyway, my suggestion. As you look at Parshish Korach, once again, as we do every year, if you look from a political point of view um, and, and analyze the story, I know you know the story. Analyze the story. What's it telling you? What do we learn from the fact that Korach would have won if not for a miracle? That's a very sobering um, message, in my opinion. So with that, once again, I thank New Mexico for the, uh, the sponsorship, and I uh, bid everybody a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.